Curriculum Associates presents Extraordinary Educators with hosts Sari Labaris and Danielle Sullivan. Get ready to hear tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching, leadership, and drive student learning. We're here for you. Hello, and welcome to the Extraordinary Educators podcast. I'm Sari. Hey, I'm Danielle, and this week we're talking to one of my colleagues, fellow National Director Nanika Braithwaite. And I'm really excited to talk to her about what she's been thinking this summer, uh, digging into discourse, digging into data, and how just to really talk to your students. It's a yeah, wild think, topic. Wild topic. Talking to kids. I know. Unheard of. I think there's so much pressure on teachers right now for their, their lesson plans, what they're teaching, COVID stuff, coming back to school, coming off the summer and and pressure to do things perfect that sometimes the smallest things can be so overthought in their heads and and the concept of talking just talking to their kids gets gets much more complicated than it has to be, right? It's it's almost easier said than done in, in some bizarre way. You know? Right. And I just I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation with Anika and she makes it really um easy and approachable. So let's dig in. Anika, welcome to the podcast. We are so happy you are back and we are we get to talk to you again. So if you don't mind just introducing yourself uh, to our listeners, that would be a great place to start, please. Sure. My name is Nanika Brathwaite and I am one of the National Directors of Content and Implementation with CA and I am in Brooklyn, New York. Well, welcome back to Nico. We're really excited to have you back on the podcast and tell us what have you been thinking about this summer as you've been probably roasting in Brooklyn. It's been a very <laughs> hot summer, y'all. If Yeah, it's it's been a scorcher for sure. Um, but in the midst of that, I've been really thinking about, um, you know, more of the discourse that we promote, you know, quite a bit here at CA and just in general as like, a best practice in the math classroom or in any classroom, really just giving students voice. But I also have been looking at it from the perspective of talking to kids about their data. So teachers and students having conversations about their progress, about their data, about, you know, things that are challenging for them, things that they um, find that they have a lot of success with and how that can really help build rapport between teacher and student. And again, give teachers an opportunity to really hear from each of their students. So let's dig into that a little bit. What are some things you are thinking or what are some um, actually practical, tactical strategies for educators to start talking to their students, either having students talk in math or having students um, creating the right environments for students to, to talk to students about their data even? So I'm thinking more along the lines of how, well, first of all, we know that students do tend to thrive a lot more when they know where they are. And it's really hard for students to really know where they are. They may know that they struggle in certain aspects of you know, a particular subject in this case, math. So maybe they know they're not so great with ratios and proportions, but they may not necessarily understand why that is and what it is that's causing that difficulty for them. So I think it's a really good chance for teachers to be able to look at the different reports that we have, such as the prerequisites report and realizing, hey, 
part of the reason why you're having trouble with these ratios and proportions is because of this skill that would probably really be helpful, you know, for you to just learn more, to really um, focus in on that during, say, personalized learning, things of that nature, to really help you with the grade level work that you're doing that, you know, sometimes you find to be very challenging. So it's a way for teachers to also be held accountable for that data, looking at that data and knowing that, okay, if I have a certain group of students that are really struggling or really just having trouble in a particular area, what is it that I can do and that we can do together to really help them have more success in this area, to build up their confidence, to make it a safe enough space for them to be able to share, hey, I have trouble with this. And now the teacher also knows why, because they're tapped into the data just as much. I love um, thinking about that from uh, that perspective. I feel like a lot of times, you're, um, just from being a math teacher myself, you're so just on the go of like, I, I plan my instruction. This is why I'm doing it. But teachers don't share the why with their students. Right. But having them understand we are learning this skill because it's going to help you with X, which they might have learned about in class. It's just so helpful not only to like get their buy-in, but also build that relationship, establish the trust. And then also, I think what you said, like allows the teacher to reflect back, is this actually important? Why am I doing a small group with them? Like, what's the rationale? Um, and so that's super helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And then I also think, um, Danielle, I think you also asked, like, what is something that teachers can do? A lot of the problem, I think, where the data chats aren't happening is not so much that the teacher's kind of scared. Some teachers might be scared to have those conversations with kids because they might feel like they'll make the students feel bad. But I know that you and I have had this conversation before that, you know, students that are not doing so well in a particular area understand that they are not doing well in that area or, you know, they're still striving to have some sort of, you know, work towards mastery. It's okay to be honest and open because I think the parent, the student will now be seen. Like they know that you know that they are struggling in this area and the, you know, the whys for that. So now maybe they'll be a lot more open to accepting that help and knowing, okay, it's not so, you know, don't, don't look down on yourself because you may be lacking in a particular area, you know, a skill, but just know that, Hey, if I can focus on this, that discussion that I had with Ms. B makes me feel like, okay, I can really tackle this, you know, this stuff that we're doing right now. If I work on some of these other skills and, um, I think it just empowers them and makes them feel like, you know, they want to try, they really want to do better because a teacher has also shared with them that they believe that they can do this work, you know, they just have to have that mindset to accept, hey, I may not be so good here, but I can work on this along with my teacher, along with whatever software, you know, just looking at that personalized learning or just some of that small group that, you know, the teacher is pulling me into how helpful that is. And um, I think sometimes teachers also think they don't have time to have these conversations. So maybe they may start off having it in a small group with other kids that have similar um, challenges so that one, the kid doesn't feel like they're alone in this, right? That there are other students that have similar challenges. Um, and 
that the teacher wants to work with them to ensure that they feel a lot more confident doing that work, if that makes sense. It all makes sense. And (laughs) just to rephrase what I heard you say, I think a lot of kids want to be seen. And I think teachers spending the time focusing on these essential conversations, building students up. I mean, as humans, we're really hard on ourselves. Students tend to be really hard on themselves. So by making the time and it, and like Sari said, it is going to help build relationships. That has to be the first step. So I love everything that you said. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but we do have a special segment that we want to ask you. It's called Ask an Extraordinary Educator. Woohoo. So Nika, we picked this question for you because of your math expertise. And thanks again for all that you provided about data chats and having students feel seen. It's so, so important. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and read this question and then we'll have you respond. Hi, Extraordinary Educator Podcast. How can I help my students gain confidence in talking about math? I teach middle school and I'm finding it really hard to increase discourse in my classroom. Students are so hesitant. Is there instructional signage I should have so they can help themselves? Where do I start? I want to start the school year right with discourse in my room. Thanks for any advice you can offer from a math discourse dreamer. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) That's so nice. Um, I remember, and you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing to kind of go back to things in the past that have worked for you. I remember something as simple as having like a word wall in your room, just being helpful in giving students opportunities to find the word, the the word that they may want to use. So we have discourse cards where we have different sentence starters. You can maybe make a poster out of those different sentence starters so that students can start to pick one and say, maybe this is a great way for me to start talking about this particular thing in math. This is here, it's helpful for everyone. It's okay for everyone to be able to, um, you know, refer to it from time to time. That is more than okay. And I taught many years ago for about 10 years. And even though that seems like such a basic thing, it still works. It still works now. So if we can use sentence starters to, you know, get them to practice talking about math, that is helpful. And then of course you have to model it for them. We have, you know, everyone pretty much learns by doing. So if they're seeing you do this after a while, they start to pick up on that behavior and do it themselves as well. So maybe just having a few sentence starters or one sentence started this week that we're going to work on. We're going to use this and try to use it as much as possible. Then that'll help encourage them and they won't feel like this is some kind of unsurmountable, insurmountable, unsurmountable. Which one is it? All of it. <laughs> both both sound great. Surmountable task. Yeah. I think that'll be helpful for all students in the classroom. And you're in luck. In the show notes, we're going to give you how to download those cards digitally for free. It's www.mathdiscourse.com. But thank thank you, Nanika, so much. Absolutely. Just start with one thing. Mm -hmm. One thing. So what's the next thing that they're going to do, Sari? They're going to (laughs) subscribe, right? They're going to. Yeah. Thanks again, (laughs) Nanika. It's always a pleasure.
And that is it for today's episode of the Extraordinary Educators podcast. You can leave us a review where you listen to podcasts as it really helps us reach more educators like you. Follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Asoch and on Instagram at MyIready. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, want to be a guest, or have a question for an extraordinary educator, you can email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates, editing by Danielle Sullivan, social media by At City Hannon, guest booking by Sari Liberis, music by Mark Bernstein. This podcast is copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associates and on Instagram at MyIready and send your emails to extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. 